This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Blessed Be Magic, a new witchly jewelry brand committed to reminding you of your magic by creating modern and subtle everyday talismans. Are you looking for witchy jewelry that you can wear everywhere? Their gorgeous and lightweight talisman cuffs for the modern witch are beautifully subtle and can be worn daily for all occasions, and they come in a variety of styles and metals. I particularly love their silver pentacle cuff, which is so elegant and is a great way to wear your magic in a manner that's a little bit more understated and intimate. I especially appreciate that these bracelets are adjustable so they can accommodate wrists of all sizes, including my little bird bones. I really dig these cuffs, and you will too. Order yours today at www.blessedbemagic, that's magic spelled with a C-K, dot com, and be sure to use code WITCH for 15% off your order. Blessed be. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Welcome to the Witch Wave. It's almost Valentine's Day, which is a holiday I know that folks have pretty complicated feelings about, but I can't help but adore it. I'm admittedly biased because it also happens to be my birthday. So not only do I have my own very personal associations with it, but just the idea of a day dedicated to love in all its forms is really appealing to me. And I also appreciate how over the years, people have reinterpreted this holiday to have relevance beyond the context of romance. There's Galentine's Day, coined by the show Parks and Rec, to be a day to celebrate female friendship. I know some families that use it as an excuse to give each other sweet cards and candy, and it can be a day to just revel in your own self-love, to romance your own pants off, to draw yourself a bath, buy your own dang bouquet, something I've started doing for myself with some frequency lately, and to indulge in your favorite delicious treats. As we talked about on last year's Valentine's Day episode, this time of year also marks the ancient Roman festival of Lupercalia, which was associated with purification and wolves and holy fire. So maybe this year you'll want to burn some gorgeous incense or cleanse your home or your body with sacred smoke. It's such a powerful gift to give yourself right now. I also confess to loving the aesthetics of Valentine's Day. 
Hearts and roses and lace and cupids, I adore it all. And I especially love the colors. Red is such a power color and has long been associated with passion and drama and vitality. Carl Jung believed that the alchemical operation of turning base metals into gold, or the philosopher's stone, was in fact a metaphor for the transformation and elevation of the self. He describes three phases of transformation. There's negredo, or blackening, which was a spiritual death. Albedo, or whitening, which was purification. And rubedo, or reddening, which was infusing the self with new life. It's a death, a rebirth, and a revitalization. The rubedo phase signifies that the magnum opus, or great work of alchemy, is complete, and one has reached a level of individuation, refinement, and ascension. Later writers have taken Jung's ideas further and have discussed how rubedo is associated with desire, love, and true beauty. As the Jungian psychologist James Hillman has written, quote, Without beauty and pleasure in the world, why save it? Only the object libido fully reconnects us, not duty, beauty, and the pleasuring in things. Hence, the stone is red, for red, as the Russians say, is krasny, beautiful and red in the same word. He then goes on to say, Let us be quite clear. Red is of this world, yet it correlates with an operation called exaltation. End quote. And so, when I look at the red hearts and roses of Valentine's Day, I try to plug into my own lust for life. To not only focus on the people I love, but my love for the world itself. To step into my own rubedo and indulge in the sensorial and spiritual pleasures of being alive. I feel my blood rush in my veins, and I reignite my love affair with this world. I eat a lot of chocolate. I listen to my favorite songs. I buy myself some lovely little treats, and I give thanks for all of the people and places and art and beauty that I get to love. I hope this year you'll join me in painting your own town red and honor your own rubido. My guest on today's episode is Sarah Potter, an art witch and tarot expert who knows quite a bit about the magic and meaning of color. On this episode, we discuss the rosy red spell of Valentine's Day and chromatic witchcraft overall, as well as some red-hot tarot talk. But before we get to that, First, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire. Who is it? Witches! Cecilia writes, 
I wanted to drop a line because I wanted to see if you have any advice regarding a season of being alone. As this new year has started, I feel like I keep getting signals from the universe that despite my best efforts and feelings that I'm ready to find a partner, the universe isn't feeling it. People I've tried to connect with, or in some cases reconnect with, have all led me down paths to nothingness, if not more so to sadness and disappointment. Do you have any spells or rituals that I could do to help myself enjoy this time? Any deities you think would be particularly good to communicate with? Any ideas on how to find a way to focus inwards in this time instead of focusing on the heartbreak and the nagging voice in my head that keeps telling me everyone else is coupled up, so what must be wrong with me then? Thank you for any thoughts or advice you have. Hey Cecilia, I totally hear you and I'm so sorry that you're feeling heartbroken and lonely. I know that this time of year can be particularly lonesome if you're not in a partnership and would like to be. My advice for you is twofold. The first is the same suggestion that I give anyone looking for romantic love, which is to do a self-love spell. I'm actually not a big fan of doing love spells to other people unless they are consensual participants in the spell. And what a self-love spell does is it heals and strengthens and supercharges you. And sometimes, yes, a nice byproduct of that is that boosting our own self-love and self-confidence ends up being really attractive to other people. It's not the primary reason to do it, but it is something to keep in mind. The main goal, though, is that you take all of the love and sensuality and radiance that you're hoping to attract and direct it towards yourself. And that can take many forms, even very classic ones, such as incorporating rose petals and rose quartz and red candles and all of the typical love magic devices. You can choose a love deity that you connect with, such as Aphrodite, or you can channel the spirit of a figure who is here in the material realm. I personally don't care if your altar has Venus or Beyonce or anyone else who for you represents empowerment and love and beauty. But choose someone and maybe print out a picture of them or hold an image of them in your mind and light a candle to them and invite some of their energy into your life. I also personally love baths, so maybe you want to draw yourself a romantic bath with flowers and beautiful salts or oils. But the goal here is to really and truly honor the divine aspects of yourself. This time last year, I recommended people write themselves a love letter. And this is something I actually did with my coven earlier this month. But anyhow, you get the idea. Be your own paramour and plug into your own current of love and pleasure. The second suggestion I have is to try and lean into the independence and freedom that you do have. I'm a married lady, and I adore my husband, but that doesn't mean that he's able to meet every need I have or make me happy all the time or that we always see eye to eye, and nor should it. 
We're each our own individual people and responsible for our own happiness. Now, I've had a deep connection with Artemis since I was a child. She's the Greek goddess of independence and wildness and lunar energy. She's a huntress who's often depicted holding a bow and arrow. And she's actually become even more important to me as I've gotten older. She tends to show up for me whenever I'm on the right track of listening to my own inner voice and making choices that honor my individuality and personal vision. About 18 months ago, I stepped away from my very secure corporate job that I had for 14 years, and it was terrifying. But I did it to take a big leap of faith and trust my own path as a writer and now a podcaster and all-around solo creative person and witch in the world. And Artemis has been showing up along the way many times over to affirm that choosing freedom and wildness was the right choice for me. I'm sure I'll share some of those stories in more detail down the road, but I bring her up now because she's someone I recommend you try and connect to if it feels right. Maybe this year for Valentine's Day, instead of getting struck by Cupid's bow and arrow, you can wield Artemis's instead. Thank you for writing, Cecilia, and I wish you love, self-love, and freedom, always and forever. Now, on to my guest. Sarah Potter is an independent curator and art advisor at SP Projects, who uses her intuition and her intellect to guide her clients and enhance their lives with beauty. She's also a teacher and practitioner of color magic, which is a means of using colors to conjure different energies and manifest personal transformation. She and our prior guest and friend of the show, Kristen Soleil, together teach a class called Sex and Color Magic, Riding the Rainbow, which naturally we'll be discussing on today's episode about love and lust. And Sarah is also an incredible tarot reader who so insightfully interprets the symbols and artwork of the different decks that she uses. I was so happy to have an intimate and colorful Valentine's Day conversation with Sarah, who joined me here in my Brooklyn apartment. Sarah Potter, welcome to The Witch Wave. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my God. I am thrilled to bits to have you here in my home. And there is so much I want to talk to you about. I think of you as this triumvirate of magic because you are a curator and art consultant. You're a tarot reader and you're a specialist in color magic, which is something I am very interested in. So Let's talk about all three of those things just to get people familiar with this. When you say that you are an art consultant, what does that even mean? What I really work with is helping people navigate the art world, picking artwork for their homes or offices, whatever space they are looking to add some art 
magic too. And also working with corporate clients, like creating murals in a space or an installation, bringing sculpture in, paintings, whatever they're looking for, learning about art. The art world's changing so much. And I'd like to be that fairy godmother (laughs) helping you, (laughs) helping you beautify your life. Exactly. That's gorgeous. And so... I assume you have a background in art or perhaps art history. Would that be right? I do. I actually was a double major in art oh, and art history in college. Sexy. That's right. So the making of and the analyzing. Yes. I love art. I love music a lot too. And there's something about music that I think is a lot more accessible. Mm-hmm. Whereas art, a lot of people feel they don't understand it or they don't relate to it. And I think that's not true. I feel like we all are interacting with art, whether it's from album covers or illustrations in books or just because Instagram is so much part of our lives. I think we're so much more visually minded the way we create images for our own Instagrams and just the access to art has changed so much. So I want people to understand that art is for everyone. That language can enhance your life so much. Absolutely. So I imagine, especially with your corporate clients, and I'm picturing you walking into some of these spaces. And look, we live in New York City. I think it's hard to shock anybody. But you do not look like your typical, when I think of at least an old school gallerist with like the severe black haircut and monochrome outfits. Like you have this gorgeous head of mermaidy blue to turquoise hair and you identify publicly as a witch and magic seems to be a big component of what you do even in this sphere of your life as well. And I'm wondering how did you come to navigate being an art professional and a public witch at the same time? How do you incorporate magic into your consultations, if at all? So I was absolutely terrified (laughs) to be so public about my personal and my business life, but it's also so interwoven that I felt like it was part of a bigger journey I was on where I wanted to just be completely unapologetically myself. Yes. And work takes up a lot of our time. Yep. And I just didn't want to live a life where I was hiding something that was so important to me. And I really do think that when you're completely unapologetically yourself, it's actually quite an asset. Yes. And you can't please everyone. My services may not be for everyone, but I did find that once I was much more comfortable being myself, business was booming Mm -hmm. instead of going down. I love hearing that. And I can relate to that. Some people know my prior life was working in corporate America, also in a creative industry. And the more I leaned into who I am and my style and my interests and my magic, the more empowered I felt. And also it was so exhausting trying to compartmentalize these things. Like I felt like this bifurcation between my spiritual life and artistic life and my corporate life. And after a while, I'm like, ah, people are just going to have to like embrace me for who I am. So I love that you came to that conclusion too. It's so much easier (laughs) that way. Life is too short and it's important to be who you are. And 
my spirituality is guiding everything in my life. And I'm actually really happy and proud to share that with people. That's beautiful. And a lot of the artwork that you curate, I've seen a number of your shows and they're all spectacular. They also have a lot of color in them and a lot of sparkle. Like you have this real joy and celebratory aesthetic, even though there might be some like darkness or stereotypical witchy energy. I feel like you're someone who infuses a lot of the things that you curate and the way you curate yourself in the world with so much color and joy. And I was wondering, how did you become comfortable with color? You know, the cliche of witches is that we all wear black and you're someone I think of as a rainbow witch. Like how did this evolve for you? Well, thank you. That's the <laughs> highest compliment I could receive. Well, there's something I think that's really funny that's very similar about the witch aesthetic and the gallerist aesthetic, which is that you wear all black mm-hmm. and you blend into the background. You let the art shine. You let the magic shine, which is wonderful. But, and I love wearing all black. I used to only wear black. Yeah. But I do think there's something about blending in and fading into the background and like I really like to let my BDE fully shine oh big dick energy yes (laughs) and I do think like black really is like such a professional color especially here in New York City oh my god it's everywhere and I do feel like there are other parts of the country where you travel and if you wear all black like it is shocking But you can't be shocking in all black here. Like Mm -hmm. you don't get that attention. You can't really stand out. And like fully embracing color magic, I feel like if I'm asking everyone else to embrace color magic, then I must fully embrace color magic. Yes. And I'm still feeling like the Lisa Frank moments of my childhood. (laughs) Love. That's a psychedelic witch right there. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's wish Lisa Frank all the best. I do. (laughs) I wish her healing. I wish her to create a more magical environment for her employees. Okay. But do you know what this all makes me think of? Our mutual friend, Jesse Bransford, who's been on the show and who does incredible work with color and magic. He was talking to me about this anthropologist named Michael Tausig, who has written lots of amazing books, but one of which is called What Color is the Sacred? And Michael Tausig basically posits that color was traditionally associated with like the primitive or the unsophisticated person. Mm -hmm. And Goethe apparently talked about how in Europe, like a signifier of colonialism, I suppose, is that European aesthetics were more muted and subdued and the primitive, unsophisticated people wore more colors. And it also got me thinking about gender because often women generally speaking, more than men tend to wear more colors. And so we kind of trivialize the idea of like color and joy and beauty as not having substance or not having sophistication or seriousness or value. And I I wonder if any of that resonates. Like when you started being more colorful or showing more colorful work, did you feel like you had to work against people's assumptions about intelligence or sophistication or value? Absolutely. I felt like I was packing my curatorial statements with as much 
intelligentsia academic speak absolutely and like because it's like i want to be taken seriously there's something that i think is very sexist the way people trivialize color and aesthetic language like there's nothing unintelligent about celebration mm-hmm. about beauty mm-hmm. about embracing the full color spectrum but there is something like i think a lot of people think of it as an infantilizing yep. or it's silly because the way a professional adult woman in Manhattan dresses is all black. Yes. Or beige. Yes. <laughs> beige is a lovely color for so many people. That might be your power color. It is not mine. So how did you start connecting color with magic and magic practice? And can you kind of take us through how you use color in your witchcraft? Yes. Uh, favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) There's just so much color magic happening all around us. And I feel like it's very empowering to have information, especially right now. We need to have as much information as possible and really be in charge of our own lives. And there are marketers manipulating us constantly through the magic of color. Yep. And I feel like there's so much duality in magic And really changing the narrative of something being good or bad, it's just information. Mm -hmm. So we can use this information to our advantages as well. So I like to say that color magic helps us manifest all of our desires, Ooh, right? which is a big guarantee, Mm -hmm. but I stand by it. And what do you mean when you say that? So every color holds a specific intention or vibration. So I feel like we should use color to our advantage. So for example, I feel like a lot of people want to talk about their relationship with money. And if you have something where you're like pushing money away or you don't feel worthy of money, let's bring in the color green. Mm -hmm. This is an easy one. We all know like green is the color of money. And really like think about our relationship with money And I think one of the greatest ways to bring green into your life is through plants. Yes. Bring in some low risk house plants into your home. (laughs) No Venus fly traps. Okay. Low risk plants. Learned that one the hard way. (laughs) I should also say with color magic, you can wear the colors. You can adorn yourself with the colors through beauty rituals. I like to dye my hair, Mm -hmm. painting your nails clothing choices, but also like through traditional magic practices, candle magic is an excellent example of yes. and how you're adorning your altar. So I do all of the above. Okay. Do you do anything with chakras? So I actually started learning more about the chakra system, which are the seven energy points throughout the body mm-hmm. because of color magic. Because mm. what I think is really interesting is that the psychological and scientific properties of how different colors make us feel is pretty consistent with the chakra system as well as the colors of different crystals and the colors we use in candles and magical properties as well. And so to see that overlap Mm -hmm. was very like validating for my Virgo brain. (laughs) (laughs) That's lovely. Well, I want to talk more specifically about colors, especially when it comes to sex and sensuality and Valentine's Day. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Tarot for the Wild Soul, an eight-week online tarot course taught by intuitive tarot reader and teacher and prior Witch Wave podcast guest, 
Lindsay Mack. This award-winning course is a deep immersion into card theory, tarot spreads, and intuitive expansion presented and taught through a soul-centered lens. Tarot for the Wild Soul is designed to support, enliven, and enrich your tarot experience, infusing you with an advanced knowledge of the deck, a deeper understanding of the cards, and a greater confidence in your skills as a reader. Tarot for the Wild Soul runs from March 21st to May 9th of this year. To sign up for the class or learn more, visit tarotforthewildsoul.com and be sure to use code WITCH for 10% off your tuition. Trust me, you don't want to miss this opportunity to learn from the incredible Lindsay Mack. So go on ahead to tarotforthewildsoul.com and use code WITCH for 10% off your tuition. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Sarah Potter. So Sarah, this is the Valentine's Day episode, and this holiday is one that is very close to both of our hearts. It is my birthday on Valentine's Day, and I know it's also a holiday that you really resonate with as well. Why do you like Valentine's Day? Because it is a holiday that I know people have really strong feelings about. I'm always defending it because it's my birthday, but frankly, I'm kind of the worst person to comment on it because I don't know what it's like to actually have just a Valentine's Day. So why do you like Valentine's Day? I love love. I do. (laughs) And I feel like everyone hates on Valentine's Day to really celebrate genuine love in all of its forms is a little vulnerable. Mm. And I think sometimes people hate on Valentine's Day because it's this like idea of forced love. But we have so much love in our lives. Like it can be a friendship love, sexual love, self-love. I just... I love the aesthetic of Valentine's Day. I like hearts. I love pink. I love candy. I think going on dates is wonderful. Depending on the date, presumably. Well, and I call everything a date. <laughs> so it's like when I go and meet my best friend to go to an art show, I'm like, I love our date. Aww, like, you know, cute. I just think we can yeah. change the narrative a little bit. If you're feeling disappointed because maybe you don't have that kind of love in your life, And Valentine's Day feels like a glaringly shocking time to highlight that. Mm -hmm. It's also a great time to think about all the love you do have Mm -hmm. or how to invoke the love that you desire. Yeah, I think that's great. I know Valentine's Day is associated also with sex and sensuality and beauty. It makes me think a lot of the goddesses Aphrodite or Venus. And so when approaching a holiday, say like Valentine's Day with color magic, what would you, Sarah Potter, Rainbow Witch, recommend for somebody who might want to do some kind of color magic around this holiday, whether it's sensuality with another person or self-love? What are some colors or some rituals that you might recommend? So I think we have to start with two of the most obvious love colors, red and pink. I mean, like I love talking about sex and sensuality. So I'm starting with the sexiest colors. Hell yeah. Red. We have that like burning desire, very evocative for sensuality and passion. Maybe the love flame is 
changing over time, bringing a little red to stoke the fires again. Mm-hmm. Pink is great to bring in a new crush. I love that feeling, those butterflies and getting excited. And- Do you think of it as more innocent? Oh, a totally. color pink. Yeah. yeah. Well, depending on the shade, like a light pink, that's like a sweet, innocent love. Or like a neon pink, I think is more similar to red, more evocative, more fiery, mm-hmm. more powerful. Mm-hmm. It feels like that innate femininity being charged right there. Yeah. Pink is also the color of friendship. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to have like a girl's night and go out to dinner and have fun and go to the spa, like all about pink. Yeah. I have a complicated relationship with the color pink. <gasps> Tell me. Well, I just feel like so much content that's supposed to be about like female empowerment. The branding is almost always pink. And yes. it just feels so overused to me sometimes that I've had to relearn how to love the color because the color itself is gorgeous. And yet it just feels like such a cliche sometimes. So I love that you are owning the color pink and that you are loving what it evokes for you. I mean, I had that same feeling with pink, that same aversion to it because it was too girly. Mm -hmm. But I'm fully embracing her. And it's the most punk rock color. It's so shocking and exciting. And I feel like pink has that visceral power to it. And just, I really think it's, it's, it's my power color. And I feel like we all need a little more pink, especially right now. I love that. So you named the two Valentine's Day colors. How might people incorporate those into magical practice around this time of year? There's a very obvious like red lipstick or pink nail polish if you choose to adorn yourself with cosmetics. But I really like to take color infused baths. Ooh, I love baths. It's so nice. So either the salts or to bring in some flower petals, that's a really nice way. Or if you don't want to create a cleaning project, I like to just sit in the bathtub with some nice candles close my eyes and imagine myself being bathed in a color, Mm. right? It's just as effective and you can do it anywhere. So color visualization. Yes. It's Mm -hmm. an excellent way to bring in color magic literally anywhere, costs nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's just as effective as any other method. I love that. Now let's talk about sex. So you and our dear friend, Kristen Soleil, who is also on the Witch Wave, all of our Witch Wave alum getting shout outs. So you guys teach a class called Sex and Color Magic, Riding the Rainbow, (laughs) which is the best (laughs) name ever. Can you share a little bit about what somebody might learn in that class and how you guys even came to conjure up this idea in the first place? I love that class so much. We actually created it this time last year for Valentine's Day. Perfect. Yes. And so we did a combination of Kristen's sigil making class and my color magic class. So we'd start with a little history of witchcraft and we have to hit you with some hard feminist facts. Love it. And then we bring in the color magic, talk about the different emotions and 
intentions you can create with different colors. And then we talk about sigil making, how to do it, how we both have implemented that in our own magical practice. And then we invite everyone to create their own sigil enhanced by the color of paper as well as the color of ink. Beautiful. And we invite you to take it home and charge it up through your own sex magic practice. Yes. And for anyone who hasn't yet listened to the Kristen Soleil episode, can you walk us through what sex magic is? How would someone literally charge these sigils? And you can be as graphic as you want. Amazing. We have the letter E next to our <laughs> podcast name for explicit. <laughs> <laughs> so sex magic is harnessing the energy of your orgasm to create the intention of your sigil or spell. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like very powerful magic. And of course, Kristen and I go over consent, but a lot of our the sex magic we talk about is really like solo play. Mm-hmm. So you could take your sigil that you've created and draw it on your body with lipstick or a marker or your own juices, if you desire. Mm. And then you're going to charge it up through masturbation. And it's either you could look at it. I feel like looking at it is the best way yeah. to do I really like harness the energy of that symbol and that intention. And I just feel like there's nothing more powerful than sexual energy. Mm. I like to say like sex makes the world go round. I mean, it is creative energy. It is. If not literally to make more people <laughs> than to make all kinds of other feelings and generate all kinds of emotions. And absolutely. If done positively, of exactly. course. Exactly. I don't think there's anything really good or bad. But I think that when we're doing magic, we have to be very aware of our intentions. So like, I don't believe in manipulative love spells mm-hmm. or trying to make someone fall in love with you exactly Mm -hmm. i I, I don't like those kinds of spells in general (sighs) trying to make someone do something is not my style of magic i tend to focus on the self what i love about witchcraft is that Mm self-empowerment and that intuitive ability so to use it to control someone else just that doesn't feel right for me personally and it's not consensual exactly yes but i feel like sex magic is such a powerful way to bring in so much that you desire mm-hmm. and to really empower yourself and take control of your body too. Mm-hmm. If someone is in a relationship or has a willing partner to engage in sex magic with them, is that something that you would recommend too? Like, are they both making the sigil together? Are they both concentrating on the same sigil or is that less interesting to you than the solo play? I feel like what a lovely date to (laughs) come on over. I have all these markers and crayons and paper and we're going to do a little crafting and then have sex to bring about our intention. That just sounds so fun. That's a Valentine's (laughs) Day that I think we should all enjoy. Absolutely. You've heard it here. (laughs) That is your assignment, Witch Waivers. I love it. If you care to engage in that. That's so fun. So (laughs) this is all making me think of the movie 
that I know we both love, The Love Witch. Oh, um, I have to stop doing this, but Anna Biller, the director of The Love Witch, was on the show. And one of the things I love is that she decided very thoughtfully to infuse the aesthetic of that film with rainbows and magic mm-hmm. and all of this beauty. So getting back to witches specifically, how do you see wearing different colors to help you perhaps conjure some kind of energy into your life? I love this question. One of my personal missions is I want to change the idea of the stereotypical witch, which I feel like we're seeing now more than ever. We see so many different types of witches, witches have so much more visibility. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you want to feel the power of color magic through fashion, wear red. Have you ever worn a red dress? I have. Is there anything more powerful? It feels pretty good. It really does. There's a reason there was a song written, The Lady in Red. (laughs) Do you know what? That song always used to creep me out. It's really fucking creepy. (laughs) Like when I was a kid and I heard that song, I was convinced she was a ghost. Like just like a creepy (laughs) ghost wearing red. I don't know where I got it because it's kind of like a haunting melody. I think that that song is the complete opposite of sexy. But I also feel like someone was compelled to write an entire song Mm -hmm. based on a woman wearing red. Absolutely. So did you always dress in bright colors and have your hair dyed? How did you personally start to incorporate color magic into your own style? So I used to wear a lot of black, but I've always had colorful hair. The color magic, I just felt like I needed to push it full force. Like, I love getting my nails done. That's my favorite beauty ritual. And as you're saying this, I'm looking at your nails, which are kind of an iridescent silvery prism. And they're covered in, I'm going to call those pastel rhinestones. Oh, and you have a silver glittery pinky nail. Am I missing something? (laughs) No, that's pretty much it. They're also pretty long. Yeah. Which... My hat is off to people like you and Brie Luna who can do the long nails. Like, I don't know how you, like, get through a day, but it looks amazing. Brie and I truly bonded over our love of nail art. (laughs) And as you know, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, we are going to talk about New Jersey. Don't you worry. I have that in big, bold letters on my piece of paper here. Yeah. So I think it's just like I fully embrace the maximalist more is more is more aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And part of that is wearing color. And I realize like color just enhances my mood. I really feel like I'm able to project what my inner world through what I'm wearing. I also really am a big fan of wearing silky, sexy Hugh Hefner type pajamas and robes as my outerwear. Yes. And I feel like when you're comfortable, that just comes through. Yes. I think it's much sexier than wearing like a very tight dress with your corseted undergarments. I mean, if that is your vibe, I absolutely celebrate it. But when you show up in like silk pajamas with a kimono robe, no one is ready for that. (laughs) You can literally crawl into bed anywhere. And there's just something so luxurious about that. And it's very disarming, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners of the podcast know that I love RuPaul. 
And I was just listening to the RuPaul podcast, What's the Tea with Michelle Visage. And he often talks about how people think because he loves colors and music and beauty and all of this, that he doesn't have a dark side. And he's like, no, in fact, I had to work through my darkness to be able to get to this point in my life where I could celebrate all of this kaleidoscopic beauty. Does that resonate with you at all? Or were you always just a bubbly, sunny, rainbow colored witch? (gasps) That absolutely resonates because I actually revel in my shadow side. I feel like I have a lot of darkness that I've worked through. I feel like the phrase, the only way out is through, is what really has guided me. And you have to go into the darkness all the way really into it to come out. And color magic and tarot were very much part of my journey into sobriety, Mm. which has been so important and impactful and really what I'm most proud of choosing a card every day and writing about it and thinking about it and then sharing it on Instagram was really part of this accountability and new structure that I started holding myself to. When was this? When did this start? This was almost two years ago. Congratulations. Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I really feel like in order to really like feel the rainbow as corny as that sounds like you have to be okay with the darkness Mm. and anyone who's happy and glittery all of the time first of all that just doesn't exist but I also think it's really important to remember to incorporate your shadow black is also part of the rainbow spectrum Mm. I know I feel like when we push those things away that's when they become problems Mm. so it's okay to invite the shadow in yeah it's very Jungian right honoring your shadow side otherwise it can take over come out in in destructive ways absolutely yeah and so what was your first step in using color magic or tarot when you were getting sober it was the accountability, the structure, and the self-empowerment. Also really getting back to my own intuition. I had really lost that and building that up through the intention of color, especially the color purple. Mm. Really highly intuitive, really high priestess energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was the first step in so much of a bigger journey too. Mm -hmm. I have to say it wasn't just color magic and tarot, but it was something like that part of my spirituality and guidance really helped so much. I think that's really important for people to hear because getting back to our earlier point about some people not taking color so seriously, which is, you know, certainly people who love color and gravitate towards color there's a lot of, I think, joy and lightness to it, but it doesn't mean that they're not complicated people who have their own shadow side too. Exactly. Color and tarot go so much beyond the surface. Mm-hmm. And there's so much wrapped up in these symbols and intentions. And that should really be honored because it's not frivolous. 
I want to pivot and talk about tarot a bit because you're an exceptional tarot reader. That's another piece of your business. From what I'm seeing on social media, you're doing tons of tarot readings all the time now. It looks like business is really booming for you. So what is the bridge to you between color and tarot? Do you incorporate color magic into the way you read tarot? Absolutely. And I feel like being a visual person, what really speaks to me is the different illustrations of the decks and the feelings they evoke and the colors that artist chose to use. And so it's just part of the narrative that comes through for a client. Mm -hmm. And because I feel like clients know I'm ruled by color magic and really evoking that in my own life, a lot of times it comes up in questions anyway. Mm, How so? They'll just say like, my boyfriend and I are arguing a lot. And that's something I wanted to talk to you about in this reading. And do you have any colors that you would recommend that might help us through that? Mm, So you're blending the two together. Okay. I feel like everything is related. So it just, it really feels almost effortless the way it smoothly transitions between the two. Yeah. I feel like magic is so associative. It's so much about correspondences, right? Especially when we get to the idea of sympathetic magic, that the workings you do are symbols for the energies or the results that you're trying to conjure in your life, which I think is why a lot of people use red rose petals to conjure love. Could you use other flowers? I believe you can. And yet the rose is an energy that can help get your own mind vibrating on that frequency. But to to me, they're kind of tools to get us to where we need to go. So I love the fact that when you're meeting with a client, you are both certainly using tarot cards, but you're also pulling from your toolkit of color magic. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of tarot, for Valentine's Day, are there certain cards that you think are worth contemplating or certain cards that come up for you when you're thinking about this holiday or this time of year that you think might be helpful for people to visualize or internalize or work with? I mean, the obvious answer is the lovers. Mm, That's a complicated card. Very complicated card. But what I feel like we really need right now is to invoke the feminine goddess energy. So the empress, Mm. who I always associate with the color green, which is the color of Venus, the color of fertility, the color of growth, renewal. All of these feel very emblematic of love. Mm. I also feel like the queen of wands is excellent for this time of year. Hell yes. We were talking about Mm. queen of wands before we started recording and how much she keeps coming up for us in conversations. And yeah, what is it about her that makes you think she wants to be known in general and specifically for this time of year? The queen of wands carries a lot of secrets with her, especially with the occult, but there's something very fiery and passionate about her in the Rider Waite deck, so beautifully illustrated by Pixie. Pamela Coleman-Smith, hey! Uh, I love the way she is depicted in a throne, taking up so much space. Mm -hmm. Her legs are wide open. (laughs) Yes. And I just feel like she's such a fiery, powerful 
goddess. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we could all use her for Valentine's Day. Ooh, I love that, Sarah. <sighs> Own it. Yes, yes. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Longtime listeners to the podcast know that I am obsessed with Mithras candles. They are the most beautiful beeswax candles I have ever seen, and they're handcrafted in Philadelphia. Mithras candles smell intoxicating, and they look even better with their wizardly dripped pillars. They also come in a variety of other shapes, from pyramids to tapers to tea lights, and they give off a warm and gentle glow. I have tons of Mithras candles, and I can't get enough. And now you can get some too by going to MithrasCandle.com and using offer code WITCH for 10% off your first order of 2019. So go to Mithras Candle, that's M as in magic, I-T-H-R-A-S, Candle.com, and use code WITCH for 10% off your first order of the year. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah Potter. So we're talking about Valentine's Day and tarot and color magic. And you were talking about the Queen of Wands. But then it looked to me like something else occurred to you when we just took a little break together because I'm staring at your lovely radiant face. So what did you want to add? So actually... The devil has been coming up in a lot of client readings lately. Whoa. And that's the face of shock and awe that is always accompanied by that card. And something that's really important for me when I'm with clients is I never want a client to leave scared or Mm -hmm. afraid or Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. I think it's very important to embrace the duality of a card. And the way I've really been interpreting the devil through these readings is that it's okay to give in to temptation sometimes. Ah, what a perfect Valentine's Day message. It's so lovely to be seduced sometimes. And I want listeners to know that, Sarah, you showed up today with a giant candy bar for me as a gift. So I'm going to give in to your temptation. (laughs) But that's really interesting because I know a lot of people, when they pull the devil card, they think, oh, this is about vice and this is about battling with at times addiction and all kinds of those dark energies that can control us and it sounds to me like you're not necessarily advocating for that but you are saying well in moderation and of course if you actually have an addiction or a problem (laughs) we are not telling you to give in to that let's be very clear but this idea that Maybe we can call it indulgence. Yes, absolutely. I think that so much, especially for women in America, we're being so restricted. We have to watch what we eat. Mm. We have to not be too loud. Mm. Everything is being tamped down. And absolutely right now we're fighting that. Mm. We're seeing things change. And I feel like it's okay to indulge sometimes. It's lovely to revel in pleasure. Right. That's so good. <laughs> the flip side of this like bondage and control is sometimes it's just nice to indulge. Sometimes it's nice to be a little naughty or just give in to temptation. We don't have to restrict ourselves and say no to everything. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love that message. Right? So how did you 
learn to read tarot? I know people come into that world from a lot of different avenues. How did this start for you? Actually, you are one of the only people that will understand this reference, I think, growing up in central New Jersey. And we should tell listeners, we didn't know each other. We've only met within the past couple of years, but we found out that we grew up literally a town away from each other. So we went to the same mall. Like we like have a lot of the same references when it comes to bookstores that we used to shop in and find our witchy little books in. So what are some of those places? So there was this delightful store. Actually, I think it still exists in the Mammoth Mall called East Meets West. I literally talk about East Meets West in my book, just briefly. Amazing. Yes. There was just something so evocative about East Meets West with those dragon sculptures. Yes. It was kind of a little bit head shoppy too. Like it had some psychedelia. I remember it would have like Fimo mushrooms, (laughs) like rainbow (laughs) mushrooms and stuff, but also like crystals and spell books and stuff, right? Right. And incense and Mm -hmm. all of the witchy wares that really growing up near the Jersey Shore, there weren't many options. Yes. It was East meets West. And then do you remember the crystal shop in Red Bank? Yes. Magical rocks. Yes. (laughs) So I remember being in East meets West. And if you went through the beaded curtains to the back room, which felt very much like the adult movie section of Blockbuster. Yes. And I was like, whatever's back there is really evocative. The hard shit. Exactly. And that's where I want to be. And that's where the tarot cards were kept. Mm. And I remember seeing the magician on the Rider weight box and thinking like, who is that? Mm-hmm. I want to know him. Yes. How old were you? I was 12. Ah. Okay. Right? So, yeah. I that's like, the age, isn't it? Of course it is. You're trying to figure it out. And I bought that deck and opened it up and had no idea what I was working with here. But one of my closest friends, mother read cards and she had a deck and she taught us how to read cards. So I would hustle kids in gym class for readings. <laughs> Amazing. You know, you want to find out who has a crush on you, mm-hmm. which is also what we want to find out as adults too in readings. <laughs> it's very much the same no matter how old we are. And it's the longest relationship I've ever been in. You and the Rider Waite deck. Yes. <laughs> Aww, sweet. So when did you start realizing that this was a tool that could help navigate your adult life? Because certainly crushes are a big part of it. But I know you use the tool for a lot of other things too. I think it's that I could really get overwhelmed by decision making. As a business owner, you have to constantly make decisions all day long. Yes. And whether it's a majorly impactful decision that's going to affect my money or a client's money versus what am I going to feed myself for lunch, Mm -hmm. every decision feels like so major sometimes. I can relate to this so much. I really get very indecisive at times. And it's true to have this other tool is such a gift. Yes. And what I love about tarot is I think it reinforces what I love about witchcraft, which is following your own intuition and you possess all of the power you need. So to have that reminder through the cards, which I think offer a new perspective on something, especially if you're like overthinking and 
overwrought in something, the cards will always help you see something you needed to see. Mm -hmm. And were there other forms of witchcraft that you were interested in when you were 12? Or was tarot the main thing for you? Oh, I was doing love spells. I was mixing up (laughs) herbs and potions. I was always referencing Silver Raven Wolf's messages in all of those lovely books. Amazing. (laughs) Because I don't think there was anything for a 12-year-old witch when we were growing up or for a teen witch. Mm, I didn't come across anything. Did, Did she write a teen witch book at some point? I feel like she did or somebody did at some point, but it might not have been out when we were teenagers. Yeah. I just remember everything being like these crony old books, which I loved, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't what we have now. Yeah, it's so true. So growing up in suburban New Jersey as a teen witch, did you feel like there were other kindred spirits for you or did you feel like a weirdo? I was definitely a weirdo, (laughs) but luckily my best friend was a weirdo too. Yeah. And I think when you're unapologetically you, people resonate with that and pick up on it. And I always feel like everyone was like, yes, I was a total weirdo, but she's not putting on any airs. Exactly. I feel like I've always owned my weirdoness. Yep. And I think that's really important. Same. And you're not an Aquarius like me. I'm not, but I love Aquarius okay. so You're much. a Virgo. I am. Are you very Virgo-ish? Absolutely. In what ways? I am always the first to start the Google spreadsheet or Google talk when I'm working with someone. I love a type A witch, <sighs> honestly, or any kind of spiritual person. It's so important to be organized and grounded and here in the material world to actually help manifest things. Otherwise, if you're too airy and, you know, too yeah. kind of like ethereal, how can you make anything happen? Exactly. Mm-hmm. We live in New York City. Mm-hmm. We have to have our feet on the ground here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, am I remembering... You have some kind of connection to Sabrina, the teenage witch. I grew up several doors down from the home that was used to portray the ants home in the 1990s version of the TV show. So the exterior shots of their house was an actual house in your town. Yes. It was in Freehold, New Jersey. Oh, shout out to Freehold. (laughs) How, How did you discover this? So I would walk by that house all of the time. And I was a major fan of that TV show growing up. Obviously, one of the biggest pop culture, if not the only pop culture witch in that moment. I mean, like, I loved the craft. Was this before Charmed? I know there was Sabrina Mm. the Teenage Witch. There was Charmed, Buffy, the craft. But I always forget exactly what years and what Like, to me, that was just, like, the 90s. Yeah. So there are really so many excellent examples. But there was something about... Sabrina's like fumbling through life and trying to figure it out that I really related and to. And she was not a goth witch. Like I feel like the other witches were super goth 90s grungy witches and Sabrina she had a much more light sitcom kind of energy to her. Exactly. There was something kind of silly about her that I could really relate to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 
I think it was actually like a friend's mom told me that that was the Sabrina house. And I was like, how did I not see that immediately? That's so awesome. Right? And your last name is Potter. So I'm going to dork out and be like, do you love Harry Potter, Sarah Potter? So that actually... Oh, a hesitation. I actually just don't know a lot about the Harry Potter series. I You didn't read them? I did not read the books. Oh. I didn't watch the movies. I actually don't watch a lot of TV and movies. So mm-hmm. there's I have a major list of things I eventually need to catch up on. A friend just gave me a TV because he was just so <laughs> incensed that I have no idea what like well, anyone's you have talking a computer, about. computer though, Sarah. I know. I just don't make it a priority. Okay. It's funny because I feel like a lot of people for New Year's resolutions are like, I'm going to watch less TV. And I was like, I'm going to watch more TV. So I know what people are talking well, about. You don't have to watch Harry Potter. You can read the books. Let me tell you. Yes. I am the right person to tell you to do this because I resisted the Harry Potter books for so long. Like they were really big and I felt like I was a little too old for them. And I'm like, oh, now you guys all like magic. Cool. <gasps> what is this kid's book? And then we actually asked for the whole series for a wedding gift on our registry. And someone just bought us like the box set. So right after we got married, Matt and I just read them all together, which was awesome because, you know, it's this epic, amazing story. But also is it I'm at a disadvantage because they're just one book to me. Like I cannot remember what happened in the Order of the Phoenix or the Sorcerer's Stone or all the other ones. Sarah, you should read them. They're really good. (laughs) I know I need to. And I feel like as a witch, I must. So I get really obsessive. So I think what I've, the reason why I've resisted it is because I know once I start, I won't be able to stop. Yeah. It's honestly like such a large undertaking. I get it. That I I think I'm... I'm just a little afraid to dive in because I won't be able to stop. I understand. We all have our white whale. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That was mine. (laughs) Okay. That's totally fair. Well, I still think it's apt that you have the last name because you're definitely wizardly and witchly for sure. (laughs) We are running out of time, Sarah. So let's have a quick bit of an assignment, let's say, for our listeners on Valentine's Day, we're telling them, take a beautiful, colorful bath, maybe do some sex magic, give into some healthy temptation. Is there any other magic that you would like to bestow on our Valentine's today? I feel like it's very important to do some self-love magic for Valentine's Day. Truly empower yourself because having that power, recognizing that power within yourself just shows the world how to treat you, how to respect you. And then you're ready to bring in that love from other people. Love it. And so how can somebody do that with color or tarot or both? I would say, I think it's always great to start the day by drawing a card and thinking about what it means to you. Then I would say, decide what color you want to invoke that day through its intention and put it on your makeup if you choose to wear that and I also am a huge fan of flowers I love flowers I do too so lovely so I'd buy some flowers in that color put them in your home or bring them to your friend's house I'm a big fan of buying flowers for myself (gasps) me too and I've also 
started to buy flowers more often for my male friends because I feel like dudes rarely get flowers. It's so true. And like the few occasions I've done that recently, my fellow friend has like blossomed in delight. Uh, I think it's more appreciated than they often even expect. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Buy everyone flowers. Buy everyone flowers, but especially for yourself. Yes. I love that. I love it too. So Sarah, finally, where can people find you if they want to book a tarot session with you or have you curate an art show for them or do any kind of art consulting or do any kind of color magic? What's the best place for them to find you? Instagram is truly my medium. (laughs) Well, you're a visual person, (laughs) an image witch. That makes sense. I love that image witch. So I'd love for you to follow me along on Instagram at I am Sarah Potter and that's Sarah with an H. Love it. Well, Sarah Potter, you are magical and colorful and such a source of joy. I hope you have a very happy Valentine's Day and I hope it's filled with love. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Sarah Potter for joining me and for sharing her love of color, tarot, art, and beauty. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop me an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and you might make it on the Witch Wire. The Witch Wave is produced and recorded by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was edited by Rachel Jacobs. Thank you, Rachel. And myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Chiquita Pascal, and Kristen Soleil. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us lots of sparkly stars. It makes a big, big difference and it helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchWavePod. And check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. And please do consider pre-ordering my book, Waking the Witch, which is out on June 4th of this year. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.